everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I am Kate, and I just realized that this is the second week in a row I've used a Kelly Clarkson song, which is funny. And I also feel like I talk about her a lot on this podcast, but I'm like not a diehard fan. I don't own a single album. I've never been to a show. I guess maybe lately I've been feeling like she's a bit underappreciated. And I just watched the Billboard Music Awards last night, and I think she did a really fantastic job hosting. And she sang this song, which was I was unfamiliar with. But I really enjoyed hearing her rendition of because I, I love a girl power anthem. And the song is called I'm a Whole Lot of Woman. And while I feel like mm, mm, it's hard, I identify with these songs and I don't. I think I like them because I need to use them to channel the stronger woman in me. Because I think my song would be like, I'm, I'm a medium amount of woman. You know, like... <laughs> I'm not really that in your face. I can be kind of quiet. I can be kind of reclusive. I'm only as uh, loud as the person next to me is quiet. I'm only as funny as the person across from me is also funny. You know what I mean? I I believe in the concept of selves. You're not just one self. You have a lot of different selves. And depending on the dynamic in the room of your present company, your personality can really change. So whenever people are like, you know, I'm a whole lot of woman. I'm I'm woman. Hear me roar. I'm like, yeah, totally. I feel the vibe. I just don't know if that's like my aura. You know what I'm saying? Because the the line goes, I'm a strong. What did she say? I'm a strong badass chick with classic confidence. That's who I want to be. But I feel like um, I don't know. I'm like a strong badass chick with a classic need for reassurance. You know, I need a little bit of. I, I need too much validation from other people. You know, I'm a strong, badass chick, and, you know, I go after my dreams, but I'm, I'm crippled with fear during the entire process. And, and when somebody else whose opinion I respect or a critical mass of people validate my gut feeling that my output is of high quality, yes, then I am a strong, badass chick with classic confidence. But until then, my confidence is hugely clouded by self-doubt, fears of rejection, and just a general air of impending doom. But I don't know if that would be a Billboard Top 100 single, but let me know if anybody's interested. The other thing I really liked about this song was um, something that, I, that that resonated with me as a great definition of, of true love. I mean, I've previously defined love on this podcast, well, in many different ways, shapes, and forms, but specifically, I believe I said that to me, true love is never asking somebody to run a 5K with you on a Saturday morning, but now... I feel I can add another day of the week to my definition and to quote Kelly Clarkson that all I need is my baby to love me like a warm biscuit on a Sunday morning. And yes, totally. Like there are a few feelings as great as a cozy morning when somebody else is making breakfast for you and you have nowhere to be. I, I mentioned um, last week talking about the Met Gala that I love fried chicken after church, which <laughs> sounds like, like the title of a Kenny Chesney song. It might be. Fried chicken after church. Isn't that like a line and I go back? That song was huge when I was in high school because it was like about your old friends and we were all like mourning the loss of our youth and like crying that we were graduating. But little did we know life was horrible then. It was about to get better. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. The warm biscuit on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Biscuits are a key part of the, the fried chicken on a Sunday equation. And I think I often refer to my husband as an onion because like even though we've been together a long time, I enjoy peeling the different aspects of his personality because he's less in your face and than I am. I'm kind of an emotional open book. And, um, but now I think I'm going to redirect my, um, metaphor to considering him to be more of a layered biscuit. That sounds, it sounds delightful. It sounds like something I'd want to be compared to more so than an onion. 
Though, did you know you won't cry if you, when you cut an onion, you won't cry if you don't cut the root? Look up a YouTube video about how to cut an onion, and there's this awesome thing you do where you cut it like horizontally and vertically, not all the way through, and you stop at the root. And it's also how one cuts and could make their very own blooming onion, which if you're, you know, trying to impress somebody with your skills in the kitchen, whip up a blooming onion and uh, tell me how that goes, because can you imagine how thrilled you would be by that presentation? I mean, yeah, I guess you'd need a deep fryer, which is kind of tough, kind of tough. Uh, would an air fryer bloom an onion? You would have to, the, the basket would have to be pretty big. An air fryer is hands down the appliance I use the most. That and my coffee maker. Forget my blender, forget a toaster oven, forget my actual oven or stove. Air frying is where it's at. Doesn't require oil. It crisps up anything. And as a person who gets food at restaurants with the full intention of uh, extending the life into two or three meals, I need to reheat a French fry and, and feel okay about it. I need to be able to look forward to, uh, you know, chicken tender after its premium hours and, you know, after immediately getting it. And it, that is simply impossible without an air fryer. People are like, oh, things crisp in the oven, but I totally disagree. It's very hard to get that right. What was I talking about again? Holy crap. Bloomin' onion, not important. Biscuit metaphor. Yep. Cool. Moving on. Um, I assume if you listen to this podcast, then you watch The Royal Wedding. Um, because if you're the type of person that rejects things that are widely popular in like large scale cultural events just because you're irritated that so many people talk and care about it you would literally hate me um, but you know as I've talked about before and I got it I went to bat Saturday night when I went out because um some of our friends were like oh yeah did that happen today and I was like okay guys I just the, the, the problem is I don't care what your opinion is but then it is simply naive to ignore that there are large-scale things that influence other people, even if they don't influence you. And if you can just acknowledge that a positive event, an inherently positive event, is a great thing, that the people who represent this union have done a lot of charity work, plan to do a lot of charity work, and that Meghan Markle represents something so much more broad and important to a lot of young women out there. You can just acknowledge that of all people to have this influence, have this power and be in this position, those are two great people to celebrate. That's all I need. Minimizing it and acting like it doesn't exist, just I, I just don't really see why that's productive because the bottom line is people do care. And it's fine if you don't, but just like work with me a little bit and don't trivialize my interest in the royal wedding. I, I, I just... I don't know. It's like people rage against stuff just because it's popular to be a contrarian sometimes, I think. And I just, I don't know. I, 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 I just really appreciate in a person an amount of pop cultural literacy because it's one thing to just have other interests. I don't know, like going outside and not being on your phone and not watching TV and like interacting with other humans in person. But I do those things too. I just, in my downtime, really like to absorb information about what's going on in the world. Because if anything, I think it makes you a better conversationalist when you are networking, when you are at work, when you are looking for things to talk about with people. There's nothing that brings people together like a mutual guilty pleasure. Have you ever had like a tense conversation with another girl who loves The Bachelor? No. You can, you can be like, oh my God, how annoyed are we that Becca keeps saying, let's do the damn thing. Like that's not a tagline, get over it. Uh, how annoyed are we that it looks like the stylist pulled a 
weird lace flimsy blazer off the sale rack at Kohl's and styled her for her major photo shoot in a black lace flimsy blazer. It really looks bad. And I've been looking for somebody to talk about this with and haven't found anybody yet. So alas, you are my people. Um, but yeah, the royal wedding, I mean... You know, guys, I, I, I really, really just enjoyed watching it. I mean, regardless of my opinions on everything, I, I really just, I find the whole production fascinating. The, the, the fact that like so many ad dollars were spilled towards weeks of like speculation about things that never happened is just simply hilarious and awesome. I think we were all collectively a little let down by her look. I think, you know, and no shade to her. I, I know what she was going for, but something didn't really land. Like if you saw the sketches of the dress that was made by a British designer for uh, Givenchy, it, it, the sketches were like, I mean, it was absolute knockout. And I loved the, that the veil, they were hand sewn, all of the flowers of every, uh, each of the commonwealths that Great Britain represents. I mean, it, it was, that I loved all the personal touches. The material was obviously extremely nice. It was silk. It was like, well, wasn't that dress like 200 grand or something crazy? It wore her. It just, it wasn't tailored right. And it was almost so simple. And her, she was wearing a tiara. It, the, the tiara, it's not like it had any color in it. It, it. it was like pretty, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a major, major crown like Princess Margaret wore or something. I don't know, guys. I just... And maybe it was the hair. I, I think she needed to wear a, a boat neck requires that your hair is back, but it was so loose. And when you see her without the veil, I totally get the loose chignon vibe. Like I do not. I mean, I, I think I dedicated like a cash eight minutes last week to talking about how I hate updos. But I get like a loose chignon. Uh, you want a few pieces of hair misplaced as long as there aren't the you know curly tendrils in the front. Well, I was just talking with somebody about this on Instagram, actually. It's kind of like using a fashion couture or a, a editorial photographer for wedding photos or using an editorial hairstylist for a royal wedding hairstyle. Just because these people are um, experts of their trade doesn't mean that they're going to be experts in every context that their trade applies. Like the the royal wedding family photos that just came out today, they something about it is very sloppy to me. Like the composition is sloppy. You can see like their heads in the back of the mirror and like... I don't know, not everybody's looking and there's spaces between the people and the posing's weird. And like, it's just something that I feel like a real, like there's so many great American wedding photographers out there. Like, I just, I don't know, maybe the, it was like a really fancy high-end photographer, but I just don't feel like he can pose a photo, right? Um, and then I, and the hairstylist, she flew in from New York. I have no doubt that he's extremely talented, but did, has he ever had to consider longevity, consider the weight of a crown, the weight of, um, or the impact of a massive amount of tool rubbing against your hair? Like there were certain precautions that probably needed to be taken in that hairstyle to factor in those things. And I doubt Megan did like a dry run with the crown and her veil and like walking around just because it probably wasn't even ready till very recently in those jewels like come with security I don't think she had it like sitting on her nightstand so I, I felt like the hairstylist and Megan can say they loved it all they want but the reality is nobody wants that piece of hair it, it's not like it was delicately falling on her face intentionally it was like just popped out of her ear um and it was driving me nuts and she didn't have a maid of honor and I thought that was an interesting choice and I 
I get that it might have been too hard to pick amongst her friends. It's almost easier when you have a sister. My sister was my maid of honor. Jessica Mulroney was sitting front and center and kind of like first position, like by her mom maid of honor position. And I guess she probably wasn't allowed to, but I mean, she's, the media keeps telling me she's the Gwyneth Paltrow of Toronto, whatever the hell that means. For the Gwyneth Paltrow of Toronto to be sitting there while her train is off center, bunched up to the side, and there is a like chunk of hair in her face, like falling out from her ear. That like, oh God, I would have, if I were the queen, I would have like motioned to Jessica, like, it's okay, fix it. And then the cameras could have panned away from it for a second. And the fact that she didn't even fix it when she went back to sign the register, that was crazy to me too. I thought like, oh, she's going to come back and she's going to have like steamed out the silk wrinkles and her hair is going to be put back in place, but it wasn't. And, you know, I, but I get it because the same thing happened to me during my ceremony. My hair was out of place and I had trouble with my veil and it was crooked and it fluffed. And like, there's so many things looking back that I'm like, ah, I couldn't see myself. And I wasn't, you don't want to be fidgeting to seem overly consumed with your appearance. So I, I wasn't fixing myself in real time and I wish I had, but also my sister couldn't have like yelled at me from across the church. It's tricky. So it, it might seem obvious, but in the moment, the day of your wedding, you're thinking about so many things that you forget the most basic things. So even if you're like a photographer, a bridesmaids, whatever, if you're adjacent to a bride, remind her to eat and remind her to uh, say what she wants done to her dress at the altar stylistically and or if you should tell her if there's hair in her face and or makeup running or whatever. Like, I just think that um, little things like that are the first things you forget, but are unfortunately things that are very noticeable in photos slash not the eating, but my God, I was so freaking hungry at my wedding ceremony. And like, I was really close to a mic and I'm pretty sure you could hear my stomach growling. Um, I feel like on Saturday, so many people were like, you're harping on the veil. It's not a big deal. She looks beautiful. She's perfect, whatever. Uh, And here's the thing. I'm not harping on it to be a hater. I'm harping on it because people spent hundreds of hours hand stitching all 54 flowers that represent the Commonwealth of Nations that the queen oversees and they had to wash their hands every 30 minutes so as not to get the natural oils from their hands on the immaculate silk tulle veil. So it was designed to be cascading 16 feet down the aisles of St. George's Chapel and was a big grand statement part of her dress and for that to be left up to two eight-year-old boys to like crunch off center off to one side when it was the product of a lot of work effort and thought on Megan and her designer's behalf, I think is a shame. And that's the difference between my veil being messed up and hers. I'm not a hater. I just really wanted her to be able to tell the story she was trying to tell through that look, and I think something just didn't land. Anyway, I don't mean to speak so passionately about nonsense, but um, I think I, I come, I'm coming from a place of, if it were my product, my piece of art, my craftsmanship in this once-in-a-lifetime context on such a large stage in such a major spotlight. And the um, work and planning I did was not done justice by a small, easily preventable error. I'd be incredibly frustrated. And Megan can brush it off all she wants. If all the rest of the day went swimmingly, who really cares? But I'm sure she looks at the photos of them at the altar in the cathedral and sees it crunched uh, crunched up and off to the side and is a little bit disappointed. And I just... I wish somebody would have fixed it for her. That's all. That was a bigger deal to me than the hair. At the time, I was really frustrated by that one piece of hair, but I've gotten over it as time has gone on. Do I think it was distracting? Yes. Did it ruin things? No. Because 
pictures, aerial photos from afar, photos of like the entire event. That piece of hair doesn't really matter, but the, the veil does matter. What else about the royal wedding? There's a lot of like misinformation out there too. Like, for example, people were like, oh, he left an empty seat for the late Diana, princess of Wales. And actually, no, nobody ever sits in front of the queen. Like, can you imagine the queen at a concert or what, what do queens do? Go to operas, the theater, um, like bobbing around, <laughs> trying to like look past someone's big noggin in front of her. No, the queen doesn't have people sit in front of her. Um, and the like quote unquote lip reader and all these like bored panda elite daily crap viral sites have Harry saying, you look amazing. I am so lucky, but his mouth isn't saying that at all. His mouth is saying, he says, you look amazing. Absolutely gorgeous, which is also very nice, but I'm so lucky is like really a lot more like charming and nice. And it's a kind of sweet, profound thing to say when He's the one that's the prince, and people might argue that she's lucky, but no, he did not say that. Um, her second dress, I thought she looked like knockout. I mean, God, she is stunning. Like, talk about a natural beauty. The girlfriend had, like, not even a base on. You could see her freckles. She, she really appeared to just have, like, fresh skin and a light bronzer, light blush, and a smoky eye without even a false lash. To, to have the millions and millions of people watch your wedding without a false lash is, is beauty beyond my comprehension. A natural beauty I am not. I require a lot, lot of bells and whistles to, to really look like I'm something else. And I just, I, I was astounded by her facial symmetry, her dewy skin, her, I, I mean, yeah, she just, she's, she's a knockout. Absolutely. Um, I would say she's lucky to be so naturally beautiful, but then it's like the question of, well, would Harry have ended up with somebody who wasn't uh, other, who didn't have otherworldly looks? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's like truly on the biggest stage anyone could ever be on ever in their lifetime without a false lash. And like, I don't go to the CVS without a BB cream. I, like, I wouldn't go to, on a trip to Fort Lauderdale without a f full set of eyelash extensions. Just in the off chance somebody like thinks splashing is funny, it's not. Or my head gets submerged in water against my will, and I just want the peace of mind of knowing my makeup's not running because I'm not wearing eye makeup. I instead just look effortlessly uh, bright-eyed, um, when in fact I am very effortfully bright-eyed because I sat in a chair for 90 minutes, still wasting my life away while getting individual lashes glued onto my other lashes. You know, I just, um, good for her. So, 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 so beautiful. I don't know. I guess too, my general level of fascination with this whole event is borders on pathetic. Um, I, I, but I also need to figure out how to channel my interest in this into some other facet of my life that can produce something. Um, because I, I was, I woke up like 90 minutes late on my own wedding day, but I, I was like up and at him at 4am. I wasn't even mad. Greg didn't refill the Keurig reservoir. I had powdered donuts. I was just sitting there ready to rumble. And I could not have been more awake. And I think I had slept three hours. So like, why can't I channel that into my own life or job? That's so lame. Anyway. But I guess, yeah, something with that middle part that crowned the hair out of place and the plain, plain dress. I just, I, I don't know that I want to say I wanted a belt because that might've been a little cheese ball. But uh, my sister-in-law mentioned like, a, like a, an adorned sleeve could have been really cool. I don't even think she had those beautiful buttons up and down the sleeves, which could have been nice. Um, I, I thought she would have gotten like something a little fashion because I predicted the plane. I predicted no lace. I predicted boat neck. And I predicted 
um, drama in the train, but not necessarily on the dress. However, I did think she was going to have some sort of accessory that made it a little more edgy or modern. I thought she would have a topper, maybe um, like an extra skirted train. I thought she'd maybe have like a cape detail or um, even a, a crown we really haven't from the archives that had some sort of like emerald or sapphire situation that like was a little bit of a pop of color. I mean, it was, it was just, I don't know. It was just very, very plain. Um, and that second dress I really liked too. My conjecture, which I explained on Instagram is that she did lose some weight right beforehand. Like I, I, can you imagine the weeks leading up? What a nightmare. Freaking Samantha Markle, GFY. Her name is Samantha Grant. She, she like changed her name to Markle conveniently, like a la Kris Jenner post Bruce. Oh, now I'm Kris Kardashian now. Like that's your husband's name that you divorced even before he died. Like, or like Yolanda going back to Hadid just because her daughters are famous. Though, love you so much, Yolanda. Um, I wish you many lime and groves of happiness. I, and I, she lives in like a farm in Philadelphia now and has a boyfriend and seems to be on the mend. And I think we all know for a fact that her Lyme disease was in fact exacerbated by the decline of her marriage. And not to say it was Munchausen's, but I think that we'd all be remiss to not acknowledge the impact of her emotional and mental well-being on how exaggerated her illness was at that time. And I'm sorry if that is not a popular statement. I believe Lyme disease exists very, very much. So I know people that have it. It is absolutely debilitating. However, I do think a little bit of just used to her advantage. But why am I talking about Yolanda? Oh, because she changed her name back to Hadid. Um, yes, Samantha Grant Markle also dyed her hair brown, which is just like such a dumb move. I feel like she was trying to seem like she looked like Megan. She looks nothing like Megan. And the fact that she got in that car crash and broke her ankle the week before, like, which I'm kind of glad, like the press kind of reported on, but then forgot about. Nobody really cared. What is she doing? She was trying to sue the paparazzi. She asked for six figures to have people watch her watch the royal wedding. Like, God, screw those people. Her and Tom is the brother. I, I, I think the dad is innocent, but I got to say, it felt empty on her side. It felt a little sad. It was just the mom. No other family. Like, does she not have aunts and uncles and cousins? I mean, maybe they were there and they just didn't get a pew spot. I think the pew spots were really safe for her nearest and dearest and Serena Williams, apparently. But I, they are close. I, I think they were like close friends, but um, still thought like uh, that was a funny position to be like, by the queen um when i because initially i was like oh is she kind of a random celebrity guest like george and amal but um then i read that they were like really close friends um who else is there the suits cast oprah was there uh the beckhams oh i think i've said this before i think the beckhams are the next big celebrity split i'm sorry i know that's not great um i i think they're like a good solid couple and they have a great family but i don't i don't know i'd I think they might like slowly, quietly go their separate ways. And I've read some of the blinds about that. Um, oh, yeah. I was talking about the weight loss in the second dress. Yeah, I think actually both dresses, if they had been really snug, could have been like absolute knockouts. Um, so they had been tailored, snug, and a little bit better or more dramatically accessorized offset the simplicity. That would have been my ideal situation. But I love, love, loved her hair with the high neck um, second dress. I, I still think it looked fine. And I'm not at all blind to things that a non-designer would not understand about that first dress. Silk's a tough fabric, period. Not just be like this happened to Pippa at Kate's wedding. When you're going to sit in a carriage for 25 minutes waving to the people leading up to the wedding, inevitably a silk fabric is going to wrinkle in your lap area. And I just feel like there's got to be a better way, 
right? To not starch it out, but like to, to prevent that or to sit in some way at an angle, even if it's not comfortable, so as not to excessively wrinkle. Um, I also can understand that there might have needed to be room left to move around, to kneel, to allow some mobility within the dress without seeming overly stiff or uncomfortable. And that could be a big reason why the first wedding dress seemed to be roomy. I think the second one was intended to have a little bit of a looser look, but you know, still I, I, I choose to harp a little bit on the tailoring. Anyways, long story short, I loved every minute. I'm very happy for her. I was a little bit sad her family wasn't there. I felt frustrated about her one piece of hair because I know as a woman, like you, you know, that's not a desirable situation that she's going to look back and that that will frustrate her. And I just wish I wish she had had a maid of honor family member, somebody who was like kind of watching her back and like helping her a little bit. Um, at the time, I got the statement of walking by herself till Charles met her, but her procession was a little bit somber. And I was just kind of like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know. She felt like an island to me, but I was happy she was happy, happy for her union. And her mom was so sweet and really was trying not to cry. And I felt badly for her. I was like, you know what, Doria, cry. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. And I know she was trying to act less emotional as, as um, the royal family does, but I, you know, that was very poignant and important for her. And I also felt really bad. She must have been so jet lagged. Why did she get there on Wednesday? Okay, that was weird to me. Why wasn't her mom there for weeks? I would have my mom there I got, when we got engaged. If I had the means to like fly my mom out and like house her for months at a time, I 100% would, especially if all that like planning was going on. Um, oh my gosh, the pastor. Um, I mean, as you, as I talked about last week, I went to Southern Baptist camps. I grew up, I, I, I went to, I've been to a lot of uh, more emphatic evangelical style uh, Protestant church services that uh, where the, the pastors preach in this style. It's way more enthusiastic. It's way more soulful. It's, I, I think, incredibly engaging and interesting and so much better than a bland homily at a Catholic mass, even though I know this isn't Catholic. I, I thought... Um, I thought given that I felt like nothing was happening up until that point, I was like, uh, so, so about the dress. I was feeling a little bit frustrated. I felt like I was worried she was lonely. Um, but he brought so, I think he added a lot to that ceremony and he shook, shook it up in all the right ways. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing, um, the look of, of confusion on, uh, like Beatrice, Eugenie, Camilla and Kate's faces because they were making that face where you're trying so hard not to make a face, you're making a face. And um, I think they just didn't, weren't used to the level of enthusiasm because British people, like I said, are just known to show a little bit less emotion, especially the royal family. I, so I really enjoyed it. I, he did go on too long. You could even tell by Meghan and Harry that they were kind of like, wrap it up. Um, but here's the thing I think everyone needs to remember is that if you did or did not like the break from tradition... It was memorable and it was engaging and I, it made me pay attention to the service. I couldn't tell you a, a, a piece of scripture, a song, a hymn, a line from uh, Will and Kate's wedding, which I watched in its entirety probably several times because it was just a, a very traditional ceremonious service. And uh, so often every wedding ceremony is the exact same. It's like a, a Mad Lib of, you know, cer certain generic organ songs, script and wedding related scripture, but in adding the personal touches and incorporating more of her background and having stand by me and this little light of mine and that gorgeous choir and having 
the American pastor come, I don't know. I just, it, it made me pay attention. And I actually felt like I was, I was uh, present and celebrating in the religious ceremonial part of the wedding. And typically I just want the ceremony to be over so I can go be first in line by the kitchen for the past apps. So I got to say, I, I don't think it's ever a bad thing to engage people and to ground them in the more meaningful aspect of the union. Anyway, I suppose I should move on. Well, mm, well like I can kind of move on. The other thing I wanted to say is that, that I'm so envious of. I want to be a person that gets to wear hats. I want to go to an event and wear a hat because I'm supposed to wear a hat and not because I'm at a horse race or like a derby hose and jockey pros party. I'm just kidding. Okay, the, if any of you went to college in like, I don't know, the 2000s era, early to mid 2000s, like, was that not every date party theme, which is so terrible now, but it was like golf pros and tennis house. Like, what was that? That was awful. Like, erase from my memory, please, God. Um, but I really want, I really want to um, go to a British wedding and wear a fascinator and wear a dress that you'll never see because it is underneath a tailored coat that I never take off. I think that's such an interesting stylistic phenomenon that some that women, especially Kate Middleton, the they have these outfits that are co- dresses and dress coats. But like, what does the dress underneath look like? It doesn't even matter. It, you could be full nude underneath that coat. Um, is the is the dr- coat the dress? You know, I mean, maybe she takes it off when she's inside, but. It's just like a very British proper thing that in the States people don't wear. And if you do, it looks matronly and you probably like are a matron of honor. But I don't know. I I assume it's just got to be like the most bland, like, you know, short sleeve or sleeveless or three quarter length sleeve, boat neck or cow neck, uh, you know, Calvin Klein racket marshals accompanied by a matching belt that if I may give you my two cents, you must wear outside of the designated mini threads that are a part of the dress to hold the belt in place because I think the key to accessorizing is to make it look like an active decision you made and you styled it yourself and not a baked in combo because otherwise then you're going into the territory of like a twin set or a sweater vest with a faux oxford shirt sewn into the collar and sleeves which is like kind of like okay a little lazy to me like put your own assemble your own items together I don't think we need these two for ones um unless that you know of course a romper which I do appreciate when my shirt and pants are conjoined but I, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that those dresses underneath are as exciting as the coats. So maybe we're better off left with the mystery. Kate Middleton did. So, okay. That dress was actually not what she wore to Charlotte's christening. Um, that dress, it was uh, like a, apparently like a buttercreamy yellow and it was not white, even though it did look incredibly white. But the thing is, you know, she ran that by Megan, you know, it was planned. My problem is, is that she has access to like the, the, the the biggest and brightest and best of the world and she could wear anything and I wish and I loved her hat but I I I would have liked to see Kate in something a little more fun I actually loved her outfit at her sister Pippa's wedding uh it was a different look for it was more of like a bell sleeve that came together at the wrist and she had a really cool hat and it was like a, a blush pink almost a mauve undertone and it looked really great on her but you know, I, I don't know if Kate was like obsessed with the fact that she was what three, four weeks postpartum for this wedding. She looked great. She, you know, obviously like snaps back into shape like it's nobody's business. It's so crazy. But uh, I don't blame her for not wanting to put a ton of effort into finding like the perfect 
dress with her chasing around three children and having a newborn and probably still breastfeeding. I mean, I know she has help, but I, I, I don't like to minimize the human experience in any context because I think motherhood is very, is, it's an exhausting thing in an exhausting time for anybody who was recently postpartum. Um, oh, did you guys watch Ali Wong's second special? I love her first special. I thought the second one was good too, but the first I think was since it was like my intro to her, I was like on the floor. Um, and yeah, she's, she's, she has just like a funny perspective about motherhood. Um, anyway, also the media didn't really focus on Cressy, Harry's ex Cressida Bonus, who I'm obsessed with. Cause she's like so beautiful. She kind of has like, uh, <coughs> I don't know. She just has this like really, um, pretty natural boho look to her. And she, her sister is married to the son of Richard Branson. So she's like kind of socialite by association and, um, not Ned rock and roll. Kate Winslet's husband, who I think is also the son of Richard Branson, which can you imagine somebody courting you? So, taking somebody seriously, exchanging vows with somebody who wants legally changed their name to rock and roll when his name is actually Ned. Give me a break. Um, but yeah, I feel like the media didn't focus on Cressy. I think Cressy was wearing like a pretty um, conservative, like Missoni dress, maybe. It was like a, a beautiful uh, horizontal print. But they kept focusing on Chelsea Davy, which. I remember Chelsea Davey from back in the day. He, she and Harry dated for a long time, but I, I'm not like that interested in her. Um, but I feel like British people probably are. She was definitely way more in the tabloids there than in the States. And I was watching like BBC and Sky News, but, um, and I didn't watch E! News at all. Do you have to tell me if you thought Juliana and Co's um, commentary was good? Because I remember watching it for Kate's and I just thought they were annoying. Like that one British lady they have, Melanie, that was like, it tells us royal protocol. Like, I don't know. It, it, I, it, I just feel like it makes us Americans look like, oh, wow. I, we're like such gawkers, voyeurs of like things that are sophisticated and we're so like tacky and casual. Uh, you know what I mean? It, 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 I just, even though I have that level of interest in all of this protocol, something about E! News being like, oh, wow, that bails, fierce AF, like bothers me. Um, actually... I, to be a hypocrite for a minute and just to be a contrarian and hate on something that's widely popularized, I've really had no interest in Yanni or Laurel. And I'm not even going to tell you where I side because I too feed into the frustration of hearing something different than other people because then you're like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my ears? Are you lying? Because cl clearly there's like w one thing I heard. And the science is like, it depends on the vehicle of speaker you're listening to it and how you hear the frequency, right? Like, I, I don't know. I forget. I honestly am not really interested. It was like so overdone and everywhere. And I almost find I get frustrated with those meme things that become like so ubiquitous and everyone's talking about it that it's like it, I feel like things get popular because there's a critical mass of people that like think they're uniquely sharing it. And it, 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 though it's universally funny, but then when it's universally adopted, it becomes uncool and it becomes annoying and like. Ben and Nick V posting pics being like, I'm a Yanny, he's a Laurel. Like, what? No. And it's just like Self Magazine was like, uh, where do you side? One, Yanny. Two, Laurel. Three, tacos. And I'm like, stop. God, tacos. I like all the shirts that are like, I don't want to taco about it. Like, whatever. I love a pun as much as the next guy, but like we've exhausted tacos and pizza. Let's move on. And what sucks too is that like I am a long time diehard supporter of ranch. I even have like a business idea centering on ranch that it may or may not be in development or have been in development at one point that I sometimes pause that I'll talk about at a later date. <laughs> um, however, 
that too gets exhausted. Like I, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't want all my favorite things to become cliches when I really am a passionate member of society um, about the, the topic like queso. I really, really care about queso and I care about the composition. I care about it being white and watery and made of land of like white American cheese and having green chilies and pickled, uh, jalapenos in it. I, I, I don't like queso. Uh, a lot of queso fundidos with chorizo. I, a lot of, um, the pull apart cheesy things they have in the Midwest is it, nonsense. Like I have a very specific, um, preference and taste for queso that I think I could really help Chipotle refine their recipe to have a less mealy uh, yellow combo at their uh well, their big queso launch had just so much potential and it so fell flat and i don't know chipotle if you're out there feel free to sponsor me feel free to make you make me the creative director comma queso relations just in queso emergency you know i've got a lot i've got a lot of thoughts <laughs> um but uh, yeah, these cliches are, are annoying to me sometimes. I and I'm very tired too of you know. Here's the thing, I I don't want to be a girl who's bitter about other hot girls, because if anything, I I I'm an appreciator. I really enjoy marveling at attractive women on Instagram, and I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean that. I think as a woman, we're like I'm I'm self conscious about my appearance. I put work into my appearance you kind of obsess over tinkering what you were given with, you know, makeup, with diet, with exercise, with whatever. Like, I don't know. We all care. It's whatever. Like, yeah, outward appearances don't matter, but I think it affects how um, we present ourselves and it affects how we feel. And I know for me, like, I could have the most incredible work in the world. I could be receiving a Pulitzer Prize. And if my hair looked bad, I'd be having a bad time. I, I However, I could be used to doing something entirely mundane, but if I have the freshest blowout in town, I, I, it's like a parade. I'm having the best time. Um, so I think that when I see pictures of like super hot girls, like girls that like have captions that say things such as, oh, just thinking about tacos, or it's like a bikini pic, and the girl's like legs are spread in a squatting position, like ass out. And she's like, oh, LOL, just can't wait to get back and order pizza. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with the photo. Uh, Self-deprecating food captions are the new inspirational quote. It used to be you posted uh, a super hot photo of yourself, and you were like, you know, life's not about the number of breaths you take, it's about the moments that take your breaths away. And we were kind of like, oh, geez. You just wanted to post a hot photo of yourself. But yeah, now suddenly it's like, oh my God, fried chicken's the best. Happy Friday. It's like, huh? What? That has nothing to do with anything, but cute suit. Where'd you get it? Probably some website that makes everything in China for like a nickel and then charges me $10. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then I receive it in the mail like six weeks later and totally forgot about it because those random swimsuit websites take the longest time. And also I've been like, I'm going on a trip next month and I keep trying to order a bathing suit that fits where I am in my life right now. I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I am in a bathing suit, literally never. And I don't live my life for the one or two times a year I'm in a two piece. That just doesn't interest me. I, I, that's a great part of a, about living in Chicago is that you can live your life and design your lifestyle in a way that suits the way you want your body to look in like a large knee length winter coat, which is, uh, is incredibly convenient for me. But it, then those times come when you really actually will be in a bathing suit or at risk of having to be in bathing suit pictures and you just like 
ugh, you kind of panic and feel like you need to get your shiz together because you don't want to feel bad about yourself. You want to be, you know, even though I'm like comfortable in my own body and whatever, fine. But like, you know, you want to like tone up and feel good and like you're in shape. And I keep buying these bathing suits that are like meant for 19 year old models on nastygal.com and that are small chested and long torsoed. I am large chested and tiny torsoed. And a one piece on me looks more like a wrestling singlet and it looks like, you know, a Baywatch babe. It's just, it's tough stuff. And I've had to return a lot of bathing suits. And uh, with that, I've had to unfortunately come into contact with those disgusting crotch liners that make me want to crawl in a hole because they're so gross. And I need a device that removes those. And I guess I could use, you know, a tongue or a, some sort of grabbing device, but I, then I'd have to burn the thing that touched the crotch liner. So it's a tough thing all around. But, um, speaking of that, I, that is, that's another phenomenon that's hard is, um, group bathing suit photos. There's always like one or two hot people that seem to just really not understand the agony of somebody who, who doesn't, is not comfortable in a bathing suit having to be photographed. And no matter what, it's always like a group photo. You know, everyone's on the beach. You do your best to like dart to the center, squeeze yourself in the middle and stand a little bit behind the two people that um, are on either side of you. But sometimes you get stuck on the end and sometimes you want to leave your cover up on and like you don't want to be the cover up person. You don't want to be t-shirt kid, but like you just don't feel like having your body on, you know, the front pages of Facebook in really bright, direct sunlight when your spray tan came off in the ocean. And I think we all need to respect that. And if you're going to take photos at, you know, a bachelorette party, at beach week, at whatever, you know, major group event you go to, just be mindful that not everybody wants to be photographed in a bathing suit. It's a little bit weird. It's kind of like um, how I felt back in the day when people when like having a point and shoot camera was really popular and you would uh, like take a million photos at a party, not edit or curate the collection at all. And then just throw all the photos up on Facebook and tag people for the world to see. I was like, I always thought that was the most rude thing in the entire world because there'd be horrible pictures of people that the person was just too lazy to like, you know, edit down to the better photos. And a lot of them were just like, you know, people playing beer pong, like stuff nobody wants to see, the things that don't need to be immortalized by the internet that won't stand the test of time. Like, I'm not going to look back on my life and be like, wow, that tower of beer cans, what an important, thoughtful time in my life that I'm really proud to relive. And I want to show my grandchildren. I, I don't know. So PSA, if you have, go back and look at your Facebook albums from college, high school, whatever, and like, just take them down, delete them. Nobody cares. They're not important. You're not going to revisit them. Marie Kondo, if it does not bring you joy in this moment right now, delete it. And if it would, especially bring somebody else a great deal of anxiety, seeing photos of themselves, like partying from yesteryear, like give us all a chance to have a career in public office. Like just delete those photos. (laughs) I don't want a career in public office, but you know what I mean? I just think that for now, from till for the rest of time, Anyone who's running for office, any public figure is just going to be, you know, tortured by out of context photos of them from like college date parties. That's just an unfortunate reality of technology where we are today. Oh, yeah. Also, if you didn't see the um, Billboard Music Awards last night, I just want to alert everybody that there's this thing happening and it is going to wash over us all very soon. And you will be just as confused as I was watching these awards. It's called BTS. It is a seven person boy band, a K-pop band from Korea. Um, that every time they came on screen or their name was merely mentioned, people screamed like 
I'm t- more so than like a, a scream track, laugh track, like, uh, you know, audience being prompted. The crowds went wild. And I was like, who are these people going wild? I've never heard of them. I feel like my finger is on the pulse of what most 12 to 15 year olds like. And they, they are new to me, but yes, they are seven people like S Club 7. It does seem like a lot of people on stage. It looks like a dance crew from a reality show and not a band. I can't imagine that enough there would be enough significant singing parts for everyone to feel like an equally contributing member. And also it begs the question of every time I watch a, a group, whether it was One Direction or Fifth Harmony or Little Mix, I'm like, okay, so do even though the members work hard and travel as much as a solo artist, do they make a fifth of the money or does the venue have to pay 5x to get that singing group. You know what I mean? It seems like a little bit confusing in, because it's like a much more expensive operation with that many people. But anyway, just something I think about. Um, yeah. And, you know, much like S Club 7, it does feel like an excessive amount of people. And it is does seem like it would make more sense that they're like an acapella group or a show choir and less of like a boy band. But they were really good dancers. They were good singers. I didn't love the song they performed. I don't know. People were like passing out in the crowd, I swear. So apparently this is about to be really popular in America or already is, and I'm just getting older. But a few people on Instagram upon asking, like, who are these people? Some people with uh, kids said they're like, you know, what Bieber was um, back in the day to like the younger preteen, no driver's license crowd. And, um, you know, so I think we'll be seeing a lot more of them. I, I, to be honest, I truly hope for a catchy single. I really need something more from Top 40 these days. I'm very tired of the Chainsmokers. I'm very tired of Post Malone. I'm very tired of this artist featuring this other artist I've never heard of featuring another artist that I haven't heard of that wears a helmet, um, you know, and is a DJ, I guess, like Marshmallow. Like, what? Marshmallow. Um, And then somebody presented last night named Mustard. I was like, okay. I mean, now we're just getting into condiment territory. It's getting out of hand, like... I need the name to be a little bit customized or have a little bit deeper meaning. Maybe mustard does have a more deep meaning. Maybe he is missing vowels. It's probably MSTRD, um, you know, like startups exclusively only use consonants. And if they do use a vowel, it's a Y, which is like maybe not always a vowel. And they always exchange S's for Z's. It's, it's a whole thing. And it's like, yeah, I get you want to avoid like trademark issues. But to a point, you just seem like you can't spell when you're making your brand name or your stage name. Um, and that I, I, to be fair, I mean, these guys have catchy songs, obviously like the chain smokers, like killed it in 2017 and like, um, post Malone. I mean, despite his mass face tattoos, which I just, I don't love, but I mean, yeah, he's just like a dude from Syracuse and his album is called beer bongs and Bentleys. And I'm like, are you a 2011 blogger? Is this cupcakes and cashmere? Like, is this pink peonies? I beer bongs and Bentleys. Like what? <laughs> you couldn't think of a better album name. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I guess I just don't really, I, I, I like his song better now. I like, I, I like his music fine. It's just these characters are so interesting to me. Um, while I'm sitting at my computer, I'm going to look up mustard. Um, oh, sorry. Nope. The first thing that came up is a condiment. I was like, okay, cool. So mustard is a condiment made from the seeds of a mustard plant, whole ground crack bruised. Oh, nope. That is not him. Um, mustard, the artist mustard, FKA, something else. Nope. Okay. Now I am seeing mustard art prints on Etsy. Um, mustard, the rapper. There we go. DJ mustard. Oh, (laughs) 
His name is Dijon. That's awesome. I support you. And he uses all the vowels. Number one fan, DJ Mustard. I take back everything I said. <laughs> and then the article right below it is a Vox article that says, why Grey Poupon is the official mustard of hip hop, which is a fun fact and a denominator that frankly I didn't know existed, that anyone was in the running to be the official mustard of hip hop. But now it sounds like DJ Mustard is that and he deserves everything he has. His name is Dijon Isaiah McFarlane. He was born in 1990. I still feel shocked that anybody is born after 1990 and is commercially famous. <laughs> I was saying on Instagram today, I'm like suddenly really attracted to Sean Mendez. Um, he, he's so cute and he's so tall and he's like baby face, but in like a handsome way. And I like his hair. And he was with Taylor Swift over the weekend, just being super cute in his little sweater and singing that song that I actually like of his, not Stitches. Um, there's nothing holding me back. Um, and he's a new song, something blood that I like. It's kind of like when Justin Bieber came out, I wasn't really into baby. It wasn't probably until he did. Um, anyways, long story short, I wasn't into Justin Bieber until I watched Justin Bieber, never say never 3d in theaters. My friend Alessandra and I went, we wore 3d glasses. We got popcorn. We got ices. Then afterwards we were immediately two less lonely girls. We were hooked, we were fans, we were amazed at his talent and his boyish charm. Since, you know, that has gone downhill, as inevitably it would for anybody who's famous that young, except for the Hanson brothers who are still wholesome and brewing umhops out of Tulsa. That is a beer name that they have. Um, In My Blood is the Shawn Mendes song. It's really catchy. I really enjoy it. But anyway, I will stop talking about the royal wedding now officially, I promise. Um, and I might put out another episode this week. I just wanted to recap the Royal wedding, but I know that's not like interesting for everybody and has been exhausted. Um, but we'll see how the week goes. And if there's anything interesting to chat about, I'm hoping to see where they went on their honeymoon. I'm kind of disappointed. They didn't walk out of the hotel a day after like, well, in Kate did. She, I, I wonder if she saw the commentary on her hair and was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done giving the people what they want. Like, give me my privacy. What she know who could blame her. Um, Anyways, guys, I hope you have a great week. As always, please rate and review and subscribe. would mean the world to me. Um, I live for the reviews. I read every single one. I obsess over every single one. I try to figure out who you are because you probably interact with me on Instagram if you leave a review because I have some like really dedicated, awesome people that are really um, helpful and supportive about giving me feedback and keeping me going. And I know exactly who you are and I love you for it. And I love how, I love seeing the comments like, are you in my brain? Could we be best friends? Like, da, da, da. and I'm like, yes, to all of those things. It's funny. Like, um, I too can relate to feeling like I'm so similar to somebody I don't actually know in real life. And you are like, God, it seems like a shame that we wouldn't actually know each other, but I want to know who you are. And I want you to reach out to me. And it's so helpful to me, um, to know that there, that I'm finding more and more of people who kind of think alike and who can go off on these tangents with me. And I am, I love hearing from you. And I recorded like I recorded a Patreon last week that I didn't post that I might eventually. You know when you like you have an off day, moody people shouldn't be able to podcast. I'll say that much. I re-listened to it. I was like, ooh, this is tough stuff. I basically just lamented how hard it is to make friends as an adult and how like badly I wish I had more people to like go to brunch with and to talk things through with that weren't on the phone because I don't love talking on the phone. And um, there's something so important about in-person interactions, but it just takes a certain. It, t- it takes so long to reach a level of closeness. I call it share a dressing room closeness that uh, it's something I need in life, but it requires such a time investment to get to that point with an adult that has an, a life or a husband or kids or a job that, you know, takes the majority of their time. Two grown busy people can't like spend all night gabbing. 
you know, you just go to like a series of drinks and a brunch and here and there and out and you slowly get more comfortable. And then eventually maybe you'll get comfortable enough to share a dressing room. But luckily you might never get to that point. You might never feel like you could ask them to sleep over if your heat was broken. Um, And when my husband and I were in a position where we, our lease ended early and our next lease started late and we had this like weird month gap and I couldn't find a subletter or anywhere to go. I was like, it's kind of weird that I don't feel comfortable asking anybody if we could stay with them. Granted, that is less about how close we are to them and more because not a lot of people have a second bedroom. Um, but that's why you need family around. And that's why you need like one couple BFF. Cause it's one thing to have, I, I have my own BFFs, but like couple friends are important too. And if the odds are slim that you and the person may or may not, you know, ha- be vibing the odds of then your spouse getting along with their spouse is really tough too. Cause I think men connect a lot differently than women do. Like I could literally hate you and my skin could be crawling, but we will be having an absolutely pleasant and amazing conversation because I want you to like me. Um, Whereas I think if guys aren't feeling it, they kind of shut off a little more, or at least that's my experience. Um, Not, not with my husband specifically, but just like with my interactions with men in life, like I don't feel like they always put on as much of a show as I do because I just, I care more about people being comfortable than me being honest because I can't, deal with awkward silences in an uncomfortable situation. But if like somebody is saying something that makes no sense or is like offensive, my husband is just going to be like, eh, and he'll kind of just tone tune out of the conversation. I cannot do this. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, my point was, is that, yeah, on Patreon, I, I'll post that eventually. I wanted to caveat to people that listen. Um, th- those are the types of things I post on there. They're a little bit more unedited and um, kind of bob and weave. With my mood, it's a dollar a month where you uh, pledge to support content creators, which is funny because I think on Patreon, I, sup- I I think I give like $18 a month to Patreon. And no, I didn't create 18 accounts to just pledge to mine. Um, but there's so many podcasts I love that I want to keep going. And uh, I, I am by myself all day, so I desperately need to like listen to people talking. Oh, speaking of which, I went to a, a couple live podcast tapings recently. I'm, I'm like, I'm a huge, huge podcast fan. And you know how in How I Met Your Mother, there's that concept of the woo girl? Uh, like, there's just two types of people in the world. There's woo girls and there's non-woo girls. And woo girls are the type of Vicky Gumbelson people at parties, at concerts in general, with the girls cheersing, whatever. They're just like, woo! Ow! Yeah! Like, no, the, the third one, nobody does. Yeah! Tugboat just barked. He's like, what is that strange noise going over your mouth? You never make noises like that. Hey, buddy, relax. It's fine. I'll never do it again. Um... I, I brought my husband to one of the tapings that was a strong female audience and people were just like, I mean, hooting and hollering and wooing like crazy. And like, yeah, I know alcohol's involved, but like never in my life have I been a person that like screams never in my life. Have, have I really strongly wanted to be like, ow, <laughs> I just like, it just don't, it's just not, I, I have no interest. I don't want to hear it and I don't want to do it. And I just think um, woo girls are so funny and I will sing at the top of my lungs at a concert, but I don't really cheer. Like I'm not a cheerer. The other thing that I can't stand, um, is when I, I, I don't always listen back to my podcast unless I need to edit it. But when I do, when I explain concepts like this, where I'm trying to choose words carefully and not be mean, but also uh, critique a certain concept, I say like so much because uh, I'm pausing and I'm thinking and I hate it. And I know it sounds so 
so stupid. And if anybody appreciates the spoken English word, it is me. And I don't want to, I don't want you to have to tune this out because I say like so much and I am sorry. So um, sometimes I think my frustration with a lot of interjections like that in speech is the person's lack of awareness of it. And I just want you to know that you're, you're, you are welcome to be annoyed and I am also aware and I will do my best to move forward accordingly and fix it. <laughs> um, but anyways, I love all of you, even if you're a woo girl, no harm, no shade, no foul, love it. I, I, for every non-woo girl, she needs a woo girl compadre. I, I need a hype man. I desperately need a hype man. If not, I wouldn't, I'd never do anything. Um, and you guys are my hype, hype people and I love you for it. And thank you for continuing to cheer me on as I do this podcast. Um, you, you know, I was going to sign off with Sean Mendez, but I think I'm going to um, introduce you to BTS, this, this K-pop group, because, you know, if anything, I want you guys to feel cool if, you know, the youths should approach you and want to see if, you know, you know what's going on. And that way you can be like, oh, yeah, love BTS, you know, love their song Fake Love, which is what I'm about to play right now. They have another song that's pretty good and popular also called DNA. Now, BTS, it's an acronym for what is the Korean translation of the Bulletproof Boy Scouts. But in July 2017, they announced they want to be known as Beyond the Scene as part of their new identity. So to clarify, BTS is Beyond the Scene, FKA, Bulletproof Boy Scouts. Just like I am Kate, FKA, Katie, FKA meaning formerly known as. You know, a lot of artists do this, you know, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Doggy Dogg, Snoop Lion. Uh, I've read somewhere that Nirvana's original name was Pen Cap Chew, which I don't hate, but doesn't, doesn't hold the same gravitas as Nirvana does. Uh, Destiny's Child, as we know from Star Search, was once girl's time. Um, and, you know, I have no opinion about Bulletproof Boy Scouts or Beyond the Scene, but I respect their uh, desire for a new identity. Um, as anybody who appreciated Christina Aguilera's transition from coming over to Too Dirty to Clean My Act Up, I understand the importance of being somewhat of a chameleon in the pop music world. All right. So yeah, here you go. Fake love. BTS. You're going to be so cool amongst the youths. Hope you enjoy. Can't say I do yet. Hopefully I will down the line. I'm probably going to eat my words. They're going to be the next big thing and I will be screaming at the concert in like six months time. But anyway... Have a great week. Thanks again. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. I